You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Sagas and Sass Season 3. I'm Tara, along with fellow host Jonathan. This episode will cover Part 3 of The Hod King, the third installment in Josiah Bancroft's Books of Babel series. If you're watching live, join us in the chat, or after the fact, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. And just a reminder, the views expressed in this show are those of the hosts as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. All right, we are back for the third and final part of The Hod King. But if you hoped we'd jump right into what's going on with poor Iron and Valida, well, you'll just have to wait to find out about all that because first we have to find out what Edith has been up to. And this means going back in time a bit. Edith's part of the story begins before they even board the state of the art, where she meets with the Sphinx, is told Redelman, aka the former Red Hand, will be her pilot. The rest of her friends and Byron are the only crew she needs. And oh yeah, her goal is to ASAP collect all the bricklayer's granddaughter paintings because the tower is basically a giant bomb just waiting to explode any minute now and they probably hold the key to stopping it. Yes, all of that really is happening. And poor Edith, because the Sphinx insists that the whole possibly impending end of the world has to remain a secret and then, you know, sends her off on a ship with her friends and one not entirely sane former dead man. So they go on a little tour of the airspace around the tower to show off their fancy ship and set off the cannons to let people know they mean business. A few hijinks ensue, including a never-ending alarm that forces Redelman to peruse the huge volume of ship instructions, pirates attempting to board the ship, and Edith receiving a special and very sweet message from Senlin. But eventually it's time to meet for them to make their first stop in Pelphia, where Edith immediately splits off from the others and from her ship to bug the Pelphians for their copy of the Bricklayer's Daughter. She is happy to accept the help, and she hopes the friendship of her fellow wakeman, Georgine Haste, especially when the king claims they are having trouble finding the painting and continuously delays her receiving it. Along the way, Edith investigates Senlin's whereabouts, saves a pod boy who is about to fall to his death after being sent up by balloon to fix Pelphia's foe-stalled son, and eventually ends up visiting the Colosseum, where we get one heck of a major development. There's a secret entrance from the fighter's dormitory to the Ostraka University Library, because as we know, the Colosseum used to be the university, and in it, Edith, Haste, and Eigengrau discover a Hod working on blueprints for the titular Hod King. And what is the Hod King, you ask? Why, it resembles the Trilobites from the book Senlin discovered and is basically a giant arsenal that can bore through the tower. After discovering the blueprints and knowing that their copy of the Bricklayer's granddaughter is painting non grata, the king and his cronies are worried about what seems to be a war developing between the Hods and the Sphinx and decide to steal the state of the art. But we'll get back to that in a minute because first, it's time for dinner. Edith and Haste's dinner, that is, on the ship itself. Edith had decided to take Haste into her confidence and invite her to be part of the crew, but sadly for Edith and for those of us who are really starting to like Haste, it turns out that she's one of Marat's zealots. Haste even admits to being the one who came up with the plan to train the magpies to steal shiny things so that they would constantly be flying off with the Sphinx's spies. Needless to say, a fight ensues, which Edith barely but thankfully wins. Meanwhile, Eigengrau is attempting to board the state of the art, but he severely underestimated the ship's crew, and he and his forces are decimated by a combination of Byron, yes, Byron, Redelman, and, as it turns out, Ferdinand, who, by the way, we had no idea was on board at all and is sadly killed in the scuffle. Moment of silence for poor, loyal Ferdinand. Eigengrau does, in fact, escape, but stumbles into Eren's waiting er her foot. Seriously, she kicks him down and bashes his head in with her boot. And despite the fact that the Pelphians destroyed the state-of-the-art's envelopes, the ship doesn't plummet to its destruction because, get this, it has thrusters. So Eren is finally able to return to the ship with Valletta and implores Redelman to do whatever he can to save her. Before they take off, though, Edith has one more errand to run. She hies off to save Maria. Edith maims the Duke and then threatens him with additional physical destruction should he ever try to come after Maria, who, of course, gathers up baby Olivet, a real surprise for Edith, that and finally escapes from her prison. They are about to finally take off 
When one more person shows up to join their crew, our beloved Anne. This is super great for Aren, who very much needs a shoulder to cry on before returning to Valletta's bedside to remain there until at the very end of this part of the tale, Valletta sits bolt upright and shouts, Adam. Now, there's also some Senlin stuff that I just, I had to leave out of the summary because I didn't have time. He is traveling through the Black Trail, sort of, but not really because He's not on the main part of the Black Trail, right? He he's or I guess he's not in the Black Trail. He's in like the vents, right? Yeah, he's going through the vents. Okay, that's what it is. That's what it is. So he's going up through the vents, and I figured we just talk about this first, get it out of the way. He basically it's just one thing after another, right? They 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 can't sleep. They have very gross beetle cake things to eat. Very little water. Their lamps are their lives. They end up finally finding a place where they think they can rest and they're attacked by a chimney cat. Chimney cat. Yeah. And Senlin saves. uh, Fingal. Yeah. Well, and I think Tarot helps too. Like they basically all work to keep each other alive, but really Fingal is the one they all, they have to save, save in the end. And so they... Save him, barely make it out alive, and continue their trek up through the tower, and eventually, at the very, very end, end up with Marat. And somehow, Marat buys their tale. It helps that Fingal actually plays along with it. I think, you know, right up to the end, Senlin was questioning whether he would, and they join the zealots, I guess. Marat himself shaves Senlin's hair, and it, it wisps off into the wind. Yeah, and if and never have at this point, I think all three of them are are basically looking just to survive and for another day so they can eventually overthrow Marat. Oh yeah, yeah. None of them actually want or believe in you know being part of his cause, but they don't really have a choice at this point in time. They had to go there, and they know where else to go. And that's where we leave them, which is. Well, we also leave them with really finding out from Marat about the, uh, the Hod King. Right. Well, yeah, they, they see it in person. I mean, we know, we know now what it is because we saw the bloop or the plans, but we, but we didn't, we didn't know at that until then how complete it was. True. True. Yeah. Which it is, it is, it's complete. And it's gigantic. Waiting I, for a crew. Yeah. I'm still kind of, how in the world did they come up with all of the materials to make this thing? How long have they been building it? We know that they had, we know that they were working on it before they had the room in the library, or before the tunnel existed from the Coliseum into the library, because there's this that whole discussion, how they were constantly sending HODs into the library. And then they finally were able to construct the tunnel. And, but I mean, so how long have they been building? I, I mean, it doesn't really matter in the end, but I'm still just kind of, where did they get all this stuff to put this thing together? Well, in and some how, ways, how is it going to work? In some ways that was the least of, of the questions I had, because I just assumed you're, that's the basically the shipping lane for the entire tower. So every bit of of supplies goes through there. So they could easily, you know, take a piece here and there, and no yeah. one's the wiser. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure. That that's that's basically how they subsist. Um, as we know, they also have no qualms about robbing other Hods who don't want to join them of their burdens. So yeah, <laughs> I am going to be interested to see. I guess I'm, I'm interested that the title of this book was the Hod King. Um, I, I, as an author, I don't know that that's the choice I would have made, but it certainly made for a lot of, well, what the heck is the Hod King? Is it, you know, you assume it's Marat and then he's not, he's not in the tail. He's not in the tail. He's not in the tail. And you still, you're just still assuming it's him. And then in the end, it's like, no, 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 it's actually this, I mean, not at the very end, but pretty close to it. You know, it's, it's this giant weapon basically. So. And, and, I, and I actually assumed it was going to become Senlin when I, before I ever got even started book three. Really? Really? Okay. I, I, I don't think I ever 
I don't think I ever got that far because for the longest time, I just, even when I was reading The Hod King the first time, I just assumed it was probably something, you know, it had to be Marat, right? And well, no, when I was in the in the Sphinx, I was assuming oh, okay. it was going to be Senlin. Gotcha, who, gotcha. I, before we even met Marat, I mean, you basically, when I just looked at the titles of the thing, right, of the yeah. books, I, yeah, I assumed well, yeah, that he, you don't, Senlin you don't spoil ascends, yourself. Then he, the, then he, then he falls. Then he becomes the Hod King. That's sort of how I saw this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but in the end, nothing of the sort. It's not a person at all. It's this giant weapon. A lot of this, there's so many questions I have that I'm sure will get answered in book four, because as far as we know, they're going to start using this Hod King of theirs. But one of them being, how are they going to bore through the tower with this giant thing without causing like structural issues? I mean, they better know exactly where they're going at all times because with the black trail and all the vents and everything already existing, all it takes is one wrong turn and you're going to collapse a whole ringdom. And then if you collapse one ringdom, how many ringdoms are coming down on top of it? Right. Is 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 my thought. So, and I'm not even sure what the. I, I'll be honest. I'm not even sure what the purpose of the vehicle is to be armed like it is. It doesn't need to be. I mean, if the purpose is to take down the tower, it doesn't need to be. If the purpose is to threaten the other ringdoms, I mean, I don't, I I, don't know how. I don't know how it succeeds because it's just unless they're ba it's basically like a nuclear weapon where. They're going to show themselves and said, if you don't do exactly what we say, we'll take down the tower. Well, I mean, so there's also the whole thing where they could bore right into a port and destroy the ships. Right. Yeah, but that's one of them. And then all the other ringdoms will find out. It, it, you know, it just doesn't make sense. They, you know, they could destroy one ringdom, maybe two, and then the other ringdoms will take their I, forces and combine them and... You know, I mean, I, they have I, actual engineers working on it. We don't know exactly what it's all made of. I, I mean, I would guess that they at least believe that it's impenetrable, you know, um, indestructible. Why would you think that? It's made of the same thing that the ships are made of. I mean, I just, and I, I just don't. I mean, have... listen, I it doesn't make sense to me either. But they clearly believe that this thing is, you know, but I guess at the end, all they need to do is get up to the Sphinx's lair. And, and in their minds, anyway, they don't need to fight the ringdoms right away, necessarily. If they get up to the Sphinx's lair and make their, you know, get bore their way inside there and they have all the paintings and they crack the code or whatever, who knows what sort of power they're going to have at that point. Like they, they, they really only need this thing to capture the Sphinx's lair at this point. As far as we know. So I'm very like, okay, guys, go you, I guess. You did a thing. You built the you built the machine. Congratulations. I uh, I and it also requires like a crap ton of manpower. Like a crap ton. Yeah. And, too, too many, as far as I can tell. Right. And and on top of that, like it's it's got all these legs. So if if it needs like I, I I have my doubts as to whether or not this thing can march along very uh, conveniently, let's say, but I'm sure we'll find out more about that. I imagine that we have not seen the end of the Hod King for a very long time. Yeah. I also hate that name. Like, I feel like I want to give it another funnier name, but I'm not sure what yet. <laughs> I'll have to think on that. Maybe Maybe I'll figure it out before we start covering Fall of Babel. So... On that note, this the part three of this book is called The Gold Watch, and it refers to the nickname that was given to the Wakeman, Georgina Georgia Hayes, Hayes. Yeah, yeah uh, by the people of Pelphia, which is, uh, you know, whatever. They're kind of, the people of Pelphia are kind of the worst. But it was, I was so... Uh, I, have so I have so much to say about Georgine and Edith, like... I, we might as well just get that out of the way too, because this is really the biggest, it's it's the biggest part of this storyline as a whole. Like there's all these other little things happening, but the real thing to me was Edith's growing trust in Haste and, you know, her over time, you know, Haste is helping her and 
seeing that she's doing that Edith is doing these good things and and she's kind of like mm, you're silly for saving that little hot boy but they 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 develop this relationship this friendship and Edith is not a trusting person anymore for very obvious reasons but she finally is like I need to trust somebody and I'm I how great would it be to have another wakeman on the ship and she's you know she's not being, she's not really able to do anything she should be able to do here. I'll invite her to be part of our crew. And it turns out that the whole time Haste was just playing her. And I, that was very disappointing to me because I just loved the idea of, and I guess in the end it would have been like they're too indestructible together maybe or something, but I loved the idea of Edith having a friend. <laughs> right no i get it other than other than senlin who she's clearly romantically attached to you know it was the doomed friendship and georgine seems so good like and maybe but not like great right like she wasn't perfect by any means so it wasn't this you know i should have known better it, very extremely well-written character and plot line on bancroft's part if you ask me i literally didn't even even when they find the secret tunnel to the library, and of course we find out later that Haste was shouting out to save the Hod and everything like that. It, I not one the I mean this time when I read it because it was the second time. Obviously, I knew, but the first time I read it, and I I felt you know this way this time around too. I remember feeling so betrayed finding out how much I just. Did not, and I'm usually good at reading into red herring stuff like that, but no, I, I, I wanted so badly for Edith to have a friend and for Haste to be as, if not good, certainly as neutral, I guess, as I thought she was, and then nothing. So, I mean, I don't know, did you, did you like her as a character overall? Like I liked her as a character. I never, I never trusted her, and I, I, I actually thought it, it made sense that she would be betray them at some point for plot for convenient plot devices oh i mean it was more than one convenient plot device really when you think about it it was all the plot devices <laughs> not just edith but like all the magpies all the things but it was interesting i found interesting that you know we've only we've met four wakemen so far mm -hmm. um presumably there were more at some point but some of them have not been he seen in years he said and some of them we're, we're not doing their jobs anymore. But there were four Wakemen, and two have basically sided with Marat, being Marat one of them. And this, and Riddleman staying with the Sphinx for whatever weird reasons, but he seems like he's a totally brain-damaged but changed individual from his previous life. So yeah. whether that's because he saw God or not, in his death i don't think we'll ever find out but i mean that's how, that's how i sort of interpreted it i'm that honestly going to be something he saw something in the afterlife and is a changed person because of it now that's how i interpret what we've done. yes i i am going to be disappointed i think at this i don't trust him either i get and i so i get of course why nobody else does but I, I really am going to be disappointed. He's not a good person, okay? Or not a good Wakeman thing. I, I don't really know what he is. Uh, his, the whole fight on the ship where he's just torturing he, people. Not just torturing. No, he, 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 like he, he, when he stabs them just there in the head, so that they like they're still alive, but they lose like all sense of who they are. There's, there's a word for that that I'm blanking on, like a neurological, like a sort of a B maybe zombie. Yeah, they, they become zombies, but that's not what they are because they are still alive. But like, he, he's, you know, he's doing this. He, he's not a good person, obviously. He's a little bit insane because he's like, ha, 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 as he's doing it, right? He thinks it's hilarious, but I'm still, you know, so he's not a good person, but I'm still going to be really disappointed if in the end he ends up betraying them. Not, not just the Sphinx, but the crew as a whole. I don't know. There's only, there's only so many betrayals, I think, that I... That that I I don't I don't want all my books to be Song of Ice and Fire. I don't want all my series to be Song of Ice and Fire. I want to believe in people sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> 
because I think what evidence is there that you can believe in people? <laughs> I yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, because I think that, but that's the thing though. This isn't real life, right? I I I want what I'm reading to be a little bit of an escape, and the reason why I've loved these books so far is because these books are full of flawed but like essentially good characters. Like Senlin is a good guy. He is. Uh, Edith is 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 a good woman. You know, Valida is a you know is very childish, but she means well. Iron is iron. Like Anne, oh my gosh, love Anne to death. Perfect. Maria has has screwed up for sure, but like none of it was really totally on purpose or completely her fault. It, 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 they're all flawed, but they've all got enough good in them that I feel like I can believe in them. Even Adam. Right. Like he's so in, he's, oh, he, he, we haven't seen him in a while, but last we saw, he was so intent on doing something to prove himself to Senlin, to, to prove, like, I know I messed up, but I was still just trying to protect my sister, or whatever. We have a lot of great characters, but at the same time, they're constantly being one opt or betrayed. And I'm just like, I, in this particular instance, I guess like the red hand was like, he's not really, he's inhuman, honestly. Um, I mean, he's he's not even a Wakeman in the sense that Edith and Haste and Marat are. He's not mach part machine. Like, he doesn't have the engine that any of them have, engine or engines that any of them have. He is just simply run by this, you know, medium. No, so, he's, Captain, he's Captain America. Yeah, well... I, well, I, I don't know if I, maybe he's Bucky. Maybe he's Bucky. Okay, let's go with that. Actually, let's go with that. He is like the Bucky of this universe, but without without the, without the metal arm. He's got no metal parts. He is a whole person flesh-wise, but his insides are run by the serum. So thank you for, yeah, I wouldn't go Captain America, but Bucky. Yeah. Bucky is, I think, a good a good comparison at this point. Now, let's just hope that in the end, he goes the Bucky path and not the, gosh, I don't even know. There were super, there were bad super soldiers in um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think. So not that path, not the bad path. I just don't want him to, I just don't. <laughs> I, I, he's so in with the crew. I think that if he really betrays them, they are completely screwed. And I can't imagine this series ending just on that totally negative note. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I still don't know where they're going to end the series, but I've been rereading song of ice and fire I... in between these books. So I'm just like, I need this to be not entirely like <laughs> sad. I I've been, I, I'm about 25% into the second, into the last book of this series. Mm. So, I'm more than that, so I'm doing my best to, you know, just avoid any talk of that. Random questions that I thought of while I was reading this. The Will of the Wisps, the the pothole thing or the little medallions in the ground that pop up and you get in them. We heard about them. We knew about them from the first two parts of, of the Hod King, but nobody, we didn't actually see any of the characters experience well, it was only Semlin really and then Iron and Valida. So we didn't we didn't see any of the characters experience them until Edith. And I are they are they in somehow some way technology or is there actual magic in them? Because when Edith steps into one, she sees her biggest fear. It, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite of the mirror of Erised in Harry Potter where you you know you look into the mirror and you see your biggest like desire or hope. On either this part she sees her biggest fear which is that she will be entirely turned into a machine. Yeah. Maybe not physically but that she will lose herself, right? To she'll, the lose, she'll lose her humanity. Right. So I I don't know like I I don't I I don't know if they even ever will come back. But how the hell do these things work? Like I saw them as the, I saw them like the dark. Yeah, I, I don't know how they work, but I just saw them as the like the dark tree in um, Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back, where Luke had to go face all his demons. And I thought somehow this was they send you down there to see what your demons and fears are, but people want to know, so they keep wanting to go into them. Yeah, and I, I guess I just am like I'm I'm still just. How though? How does it work? 
is what I because because the thing about these books is like they, Bancroft doesn't always explain bit by bit, piece by piece, how things work, right? But even though he doesn't do that, like there all the time, there's there's enough of it there where this was the first time with the will of the wisps that I was like, I don't understand. I how how do you show each individual person their their deepest fear or whatever? Well, I'm assuming it's reading their minds somehow. Uh, how it's doing that, I don't know. But that that was my assumption that somehow this is a a piece of technology that can read essentially minds and project your own fears from your mind. And maybe even depending on who you are, maybe it would pr project something else in your hmm. subconscious to you. That's what I interpreted it. Now, what, whether that means anything, whether we'll ever come back to it, whether right. it was just a, a fun thing to, you know, a game to, get, to convince people to go in there so they can change some fuses, I have no idea. Oh, I mean, that's absolutely what it was. I know, and, but I'm just but, saying, if, that was, if that's all it was and the author was just fight, trying to justify why someone would go in to change a fuse. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's so weird. I and and I don't know why. Well, no, I mean I do know why. I'm I'm you know as interested in I am in the idea of how they work. It's because, like I said, this is the first time I've really felt that there is literally no technological steampunk any sort of explanation for this. How? Uh, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that eventually, even if it's just a passing thing, I want I want an explanation. <laughs> but other than the red MacGuffin of the serum. There's no explanation for how any of this stuff works. You just take it as a grain of salt. You have this serum, this which is this energy source, and therefore these things get powered. And say, say, let me. <laughs> move I suppose. On. I suppose. <laughs> Although the serum, there, there was a actually in the beginning of part three, there was a I can't remember if it was the Sphinx herself or Byron that was like talking about what the serum was made of, and they were they were talking about all the animals that live in the tower. They mentioned chimney cats. They mentioned those snails. Uh, and I think one other thing, oh, maybe maybe the spider eaters. I'm not sure, but like- Yeah, they, but they all had a job. The chimney cats were to clean the chimneys, right? I mean, right, but they took- that's what I'm saying. The medium is made from like spores from the, ch and I'm, I'm, I don't remember exactly which was which, but it was like spores from the chimney cat and, and slime from the snails and musk from the, it's, it's neither here nor there, I think at this point, but I, I there is still some ex explanation for how they at least make the medium. And you're right. There's no, I guess to me, it's, it's kind of like the, the oil that the tin man puts in himself in exactly. uh, wizard of Oz. Like, it shouldn't just make him run because he's just a tin. He's, you know what I mean? He's still a living person that's also, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, that's what I think of it as though. It's, it's, it's the tin man putting oil in, in his joints, right? But okay, so Will of the Wisps, big mystery, still, still annoyed that I can't figure out how the heck they might work. Now, this is kind of a, an aside, I guess, um, in a way, but I need to talk about it. So Ferdinand is actually a hound. He is actually a hound in that mechanism. And I was like, really sad. Not the first time it was like, I, I was like both surprised and not surprised. And also very sad that he died but the second time, I think it felt even worse because I knew ahead of time that he, what he was and that he was going to die. I, and I kind of, I'd kind of forgotten because it had been so long since I'd read this, that he was even on the ship at all. But as soon as he, as soon as Byron was like, Hey, bah, bah, I need your help. I was like, Oh shit. It's I didn't remember. Part. I didn't remember he was on the ship at all either. We did not know. We did not know he was on okay. the ship. So when I say I didn't remember, I'm just saying, I have read this book once before and I did not remember him being on the ship because it's such a brief, I think it's such a brief, like, you know, interlude sort of thing that he, that he happens to be on the ship and then he immediately goes and dies. Um, no, it, it was very sad, but it, and in hindsight, it was not surprising because it sort of acted like a dog during the entire run. Yeah. In, and, but just like looking, looking back to Arm of the Sphinx, 
when there's that very short bit where you're in Ferdinand's you know, head, quote unquote, and he's, there's the thing about the, the music, right? He has his romping music and he has his whatever, his sad music. He has his three different, I think, kinds of music. And it just like, I don't know, there's a lot about this that like both bothers me and like in a way kind of this is probably like this is based on real science. I know they have done experiments with dogs where they like train them with certain types. I, I it's very it was very like oh like I oh I don't know. And then he died like so quickly, and there's no more Ferdinand. And they all had to look at his poor hound body pinned up in that machine. And to be honest, it made me very disgusted with the Sphinx. Even though we've already seen like but he did he the is, same thing to Byron. Well, but with Bri with Byron, that's a thing though. We we saw some of that in in the beginning of part three when the Sphinx shows Edith, or she's about to show Edith Redelman and tell her about the big drama, how the tower is going to explode and everything. Edith is walked through this sort of catacomb of what are either experiments that maybe succeeded, but the uh, hosts or whatever you want to call them have passed away. Or they didn't succeed. And Byron is like the end result, right? Byron is the end all be all. Byron is the one that was, can't call him a pure success, I guess, but he is a success. He thinks, he moves, he he knows things, he does things. He's he's not Ferdinand, right? Who is is a he's a dog in a machine, a dog powering a machine, and who maybe has a slightly slightly higher intelligence than a regular, any regular dog would. But it, it, it just made me shudder because you see Edith going through that sort of catacomb of like all the failed experimental animal machine hybrids. And you, you know that Byron exists and that he's the end product of it. And he seems fine to an extent, right? And then you see all the dead ones and you know, I guess that Ferdinand has to be something, but it, it, until you actually read, well, no, and for, I guess, I guess for me, it's like being such a dog person, like just yeah. that, that, that reading of, oh my God, he pinned a dog's body up. She pinned a dog's body up in this machine. And like, was this dog just tortured its entire life? Like, I don't even know. Like it's very, very Sad and bad and frustrating. <laughs> he seemed happy at times. You know, he chose to play his happy music. Yeah, I didn't think of him as being abused, being in the machine. for whatever But it's reason. still, I don't know, it's still just like a, mm, it, it's one of those things where I'm like very torn about how I feel about it. And I. But I, you don't I, feel as torn up about Eigengrau's getting killed. No, he deserved it. <laughs> See, I mean, this is a, a fascinating thing. The dog, it's terrible, but the. Human beings, we just, even though they're not the greatest human beings. He was the worst. You know, I feel bad about Haste dying, actually. Like, despite the fact that she was part of Marat's zealots and, and that she was going to, you know, she was going to betray and kill Edith, I still felt bad about her. I didn't think Eigengrau was the worst. I didn't think he was the particularly good. No, I mean, he's not the worst. He's just a jerk. I mean, I to be honest, like, I could care less if it was the Duke. Also, don't give a shit. He could he could die forever. <laughs> the fact that he was left alive is just like, eh, all right then. I hope his one crushed hand reminds him that he shouldn't go after Maria ever again and the baby. Yeah, but we'll see more of him, I'm sure. God, I hope not. No, 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 no. Please, no. Don't, don't, don't. Hey, put that go, you, you never leave these people alive. They come back to haunt you. Oh, you're you're not wrong, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to think about it. Um, Did you like the Irene and Anne romance? I do. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it, the size difference is a little weird. How it's like how Anne is apparently so tiny and has to like literally stand on stools to kiss Irene. But Irene, it's it's very interesting to me. I I I think the biggest thing about it that is the only thing about it that would be even slightly maybe concerning is that iron does have a very childlike thought process at some time at some points but she is still an adult woman who makes adult decisions and and is very kind and sweet and i just i also just want 
I want Iron to be happy and to have somebody who cares about her for something other than her strength and her ability to beat people up, right? And Anne has, I mean, she 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 admitted, she didn't say the exact words, but she admitted, like, I became a governess so that I wouldn't be forced to into a marriage I didn't want. And clearly that means I don't want to marry a dude, right? So I, I think it's very nice that, and she's also a very caring person, even when she was saddled with whether they were just kind of bleh children that turn into adults. Into or, adult monsters. Yeah. She's been saddled with a lot of, with a lot of bad kids slash teenagers. Slash, she has she has maintained an aura of she's just a very sweet person and she's never done anything but her best to care for the people in her care. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts on it? No, I thought it was nice. I mean, I, I thought, you know, another romance is good for the book. Uh <laughs> well, something other than the triangle between Maria and Edith and Selen, well, yeah. It, it depends on if the author is into polyamory. If it, you know, we don't know if that's where it's going. Uh but I mean, hey, you don't have to be polyamorous yourself to enlist friends of yours who are and be able to write a positive polyamorous romance. And I would just I still I said it last time and I'll were maybe it was I don't remember when I said it. And and I think it was the last episode, but I, I will say it once. I said it once. I'll say it again. I would absolutely just adore a very happy, healthy, polyamorous relationship between Marius and Lynn and Edith. I think it could work. I do. And Ren is clearly inexperienced and has never experienced romantic love before. So mm. this is, but she's also so vulnerable right now. I'm not so sure this is the best time to be taking advantage of that either. From Anne's perspective, but that's yeah. I, I mean, I it guess started like, before this disaster, but yes, I, I know. But I, I don't disagree. Obviously, you know, the the vulnerability is an issue, but I, I don't think I refuse to believe that Anne will take advantage of it. I love Anne so much. She's just so like I don't, I don't even know why. Really, I just love her a lot. Yeah, I, I must admit, I was expecting her to bring her child too. I kind of thought that too, honestly. And I had a weird memory where I thought that I thought that she did. Like when I read it the second time, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, Zini is not here. I think she probably went off and and married uh the the prince's friend. Kind of ha like like just just maybe like, that guy was like a he was like a 60% douchebag, not a hundred percent, you know? So but honestly, you know, I, you know, it's funny is I, it, it's probably terrible to think this way. I I sort of thought of him in, in, in the douchebag aspect of it. No, because is Sam Tarly in another world. It's like mm. if Sam had been forced to be the heir of a secondary house and he had, you know, and did not how he would have been, you know, whipped to be a follower, sort of. Or maybe maybe court. not even the, the, the secondary house thing, but if if he had fallen in with somebody who took him under his wing who was a jerk. Right. Yeah. But but also, but he 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 didn't get disowned by his father and he's like, mm. you know, going to court and but he doesn't really fit in at court. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this guy felt sort of read this guy as he doesn't yeah. really fit in at this court and he's there and you know, I don't even remember his name trying to get <laughs> along. Yeah, no, I don't remember his name. Either. <laughs> I'm getting, but in my old age, I'm getting terrible with names. So it, it really worries me. That's fine. I, I'm not, I, I'm getting, I'm terrible with everything. So. So, anyway, <laughs> everything comes back to agreeing with Ron reference. I'll have reference something else in a minute. <laughs> So yeah, I really, I really did. I do love Irene and Anne, and I love how just when Anne just shows up at the ship, and Irene just like breaks down and cries on her shoulder because Irene hasn't had, she hasn't ever had somebody like that, right? Like I said, everybody has always just wanted her there for her strength, and of course, of course, of course, uh, Semlin and uh, Edith and Valida—they all learn to love and respect 
around in their own ways. But Anne kind of comes in as like, I don't, I don't need anything from you and you don't need to protect me. I just want to be here for you, I think is is how I picture it. And that's what I like about it. Because uh, Irene doesn't, I do, she doesn't feel the need to protect Anne, right? Anne has been teaching her things and trying to help her. It's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship, I guess, in a way that where Anne hasn't ever asked her to actually do anything for her yet. So hopefully that continues because a part of me might die if it doesn't. So I want to know, based on the very end of the story with, uh, well, with Brettelman pumping Valletta full of hmm. super serum, what she's going to turn into. Yeah, me too. And will it impact her mind or will it just give her physical abilities? Did, yeah. the, serum, did the serum make the red hand the red hand? Or did the fact that he was a lunatic and got the serum make the red hand the red hand? So my guess, and I, I, my, like my guess slash theory is that the guy who became the red hand wasn't great to begin with. So then he got that serum, but then on top of that, he was put in the service of Commissioner Pound, who was a dick, and. I, I think it was a combination of maybe not being a great person before that, getting the serum, which made him a little over the top to begin with when he got it. And then he gets put in the service of somebody who is literally just like whatever about torturing people and stuff. Well, and actually, and that's, we'll talk, I, I that's one more thing I want to talk about. But yeah, I, I, I think it will probably affect her, right? Like there's no way it's not going to. And there will probably be some negative effects, including, you know, we don't know how long somebody can live on this. We don't know how long, we, we don't know if it's like a, like a thing where you continually have to pump more into their body until they just completely lost it. Like, we don't know. So I absolutely think that there's going to be a change in Valida, whether it's totally I, I don't I, I don't think she's going to become like the red hand though I don't I don't think she's going to become this absolute just like almost kind of murderous fella let's say but yeah I, I that that's that's my take on it is that it depends on who you were before and who you're around after the fact but also there's only so much of what happens that those that those things can control. Well, I mean, did you, did you, I mean, what are your, do you have thoughts on it? Or are you just kind well, of Well, like I mean, I just, I assume she's going to have some sorts of powers. I assume she's going to be impacted some way. I oh, for just sure. don't yeah. know if she's going to be totally human. My question is, do we think she's going to be totally human anymore? Or if she's going to just be, become weird? I think, again, it depends on the person. So I think Valida has a very, very strong mind and personality. And I think that I don't I don't see her going down uh, any sort of the same path that Redelman slash the right hand did. I for sure think there's going to be some changes. What I do, you know, because he seems to be almost invincible. And I think yeah. my biggest worry yeah, there is Valida has always kind of been way almost over the top to adventurous and everything. So yeah, now she can be. Yeah. Matter. Yeah. So that, that's where I foresee a problem coming in, I think. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I talked a bunch of shit about commissioner pound just now, but in the end, I almost felt a little bad for him. Cause he died. I I left that out of the summary because it's 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 a very short kind of non consequential thing. But he's dead. He no. Well, we don't know. We suspect he jumped off a ledge. He walked off a port, hundreds and hundreds, no thousands, probably thousands of feet above ground. Like what is what is Palfia? It's the fourth but, ringdom. So, so actually, let's step back. You did to falling to, to their doom. It was so, uh, that was the one thing in this series that I thought was so obvious and was telegraphed so far in advance of what was going to happen when in the end of, of the second part of this book where Aren was taking Valletta's 
Valletta to uh, the ship and watch the ship have its balloon envelope destroyed and it started to fall. And immediately I said to myself, I go, this is a highly complex ship by the Sphinx. It's going to have thrusters or anti-grav devices and it's just going to float. I I, I saw that coming a mile away. So that didn't, that was a little bit of a letdown in that I actually. (laughs) Well, yeah, like, I mean, you know, we talked about last time. Of course, this this ship can't just go away, right? It can't, everybody on it can't die if this were george r, r. martin it would have yeah. in the early books it would have been oh god well i don't know about so, that yeah no in the no, early that, books. That, that, that's the thing though that's the thing about martin is yes he kills people you wouldn't expect him to kill and all that but he never murdered like that would like that would be like if ned and Arya and sansa actually got on the ship to go back north and that was when and that and then they got attacked and every like all three of them died immediately like well and also this is a a book with a much smaller cast of characters so yeah yeah, i know but yeah i i mean i agree you know but that that said it's still like it was pressed into our brains over and over again in the first two books that you know a ship's envelopes were its life right and the, the one war rule crime. of war is that you don't fire on a ship's envelope. So when that happened, it was it was kind of like, oh shit, like what's really going down here? Like I didn't even necessarily think the ship itself would survive, but I figured, you know, well, lifeboats or something. Um obviously that was my first read through like two years ago. And and also on my first read through, I just kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. I, I think it took me like two days to read this book. This time I took my time. So it was like, I wouldn't have been able to do that the first time. But yeah, I mean, no, you're you're not wrong. Like, and, and we also know the Sphinx's technology is just way over the top compared to what was actually given to the ringdoms. They don't much. created any of their yeah, exactly. Like they just kind of survived on what the Sphinx provided. So yeah, that's pretty clear. But yeah, back back to Commissioner Pound. It's it's I didn't put it in the summary because it's a very like short he's only mentioned in passing through most of this book until the moment where he has been sentenced to his death. And we had found out that his daughter had been trying to emulate Valida. Now, granted, that's what we're told by the newspapers in Pelfia. Um, I, I think there is some theorizing that maybe she wasn't actually doing that and that she was murdered. But either way, it doesn't matter. She died and she's dead. And it's as bad as Pound was when he, you know, when he's, he's about to meet his death and Eigen growls, like, I'm sorry. And he's basically like, I don't even care. My daughter is dead. And he just walk like, just walks off. It was very like, God, I, this guy was, is the worst. He's, well, he is one of the many worst in the tower. Has been. How did, I forgot how his daughter died. She fell off like a roof or... Oh, that's right. She fell off the roof trying to imitate Valletta. Right, right. right. So so that's the story. So again, like I said, there are theories that 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 she was murdered, but... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think... I don't think it matters either way. The fact of the the matter is she's dead. And in the end, when he was sentenced to death anyway, he was like, I don't even care. And that was very... As much as he was really awful in, you know, the first book and... You know, even the second book when he's like in the air attacking the sh- their ship that I can't even remember the name of at this point, their first ship. I I still that's that's rough that he just had given up on life because his daughter was gone, and also sad that his daughter apparently died trying to prance around on rooftops in her nightgown because Valida did it, and and Valida felt bad about that. She was like, "Fuck." Yes, I'm out. Like I don't want. I don't want any. I never wanted any of this, and now I want it ten thousand percent less. <laughs> it was very. I don't know. It's very sad to me. Maybe it shouldn't have been, but it was. Regarding the tyrants, yes, tyrants, uh, and unfortunately, the quote was. 
I, I don't know the exact quote. It was very, it was very Do long. Do you think Selena is right? The Tyrants trust in Ozan and intuition teach everyone exactly what they want to hear, so they are simple to pander to and easy to fool. I think history has said absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and I think that my question was less like, do do we think Semlin's right? But do we think that Marat is one of them? Right? Do we tyrant? Think, do we think that for sure Marat is that person who? Because Semlin doesn't even know. He questions well, so, himself. So so yeah. Well, the answer is yes. I think he is. Mm. But I, as and pretty much so is everyone in every ringdom we've seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, they are, they are, and they aren't. I, I think a lot of these people, it's like, look, like, like King Leonid in Pelthia. He, do I think he's an entirely bad person? Not really. I, I King, think no, bit, but like, he's know. a little bit of an idiot. You know, like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in, you know, and, and I guess there's no real, if Finn Gold's like a portmaster in New Babel, but we don't really see other leaders in New Babel. Commissioner Pound is a leader in the Baths, but he's not a king the way that, you know, the way King Leonid is. It's, I mean, I agree. You're right that, that Marat probably is the type of person who is just swear me an oath and... I'm going to trust on how I feel about you to lead my thoughts on what I do with you. And I, I, and especially right now, it's, it's kind of like, oh, that, 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 that's, it's like too real a little bit, too, too, too real with everything that's going on in the world right now. Well, on that note, before I close out with a quote, because that's the thing I'm going to, I started this, I think the last episode, and I think that's the thing I'm going to do from now on. Any, any last thoughts? Uh, because like we're done with book three no. and now we are moving on to the last book in the series. So there's a lot happening. Soon. No, I'm, that's pretty much, I've pretty much said my piece at this point. I'll just go with this very, very short one. Cause it kind of speaks to me about what's going on in the world right now, including Russia being the absolute worst. There is nothing so dangerous as a coward. That's it. There is nothing so dangerous as a coward. Once again, I'm Tara, along with Jonathan. Thank you for joining us for Sagas and Sass, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.